And hello and greetings, salutations, and all that fun jazz. It's Chris O'Mealy, along with Dan Peck. And all that jazz. And it's another edition of Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk here on CKCC Radio, available on Podbean and wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including iHeartRadio. The big, uh, the big ones I've noticed are iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio is where we're getting all the traffic except for the actual Podbean site. So I'll just go ahead and promote those four things because more than likely that's where you're listening to us. If you are listening to us on another format, let us know because I'd like to know where you found us then. I know we're on the listen, Google listen machine. Us on the old wax cylinder. <laughs> we could do that, of course. Uh, there's so much stuff to check out on CKCC Radio. Uh, new content possibly on the way as our channel begins to fill up and get all positions filled on shows that I will allow to be part of the network. And a uh, couple of ideas I've been tossing around, but we'll wait and see what happens there. Dan... This is kind of an interesting interesting thing that you and I were discussing. But what we were talking about was slightly changing up the format of this show and making it a little more streamlined, like not copying what a lot of wrestling podcasts do, but what a lot of wrestling podcasts do that are somewhat successful. Not to say that we're not, because we have a really loyal fan base and it's only gotten bigger. But... One thing I've noticed is that a lot of podcasts have a dedicated thing that they know for a fact they're going to talk about so that they have something already prepared for the show. And it's not just relying on what's happening in the current event world. And that's a fun way for a lot of podcasts to get more replay value, as they say. Because you can always go back and listen to those kinds of segments. And they put up clips of it on the YouTubes. Exactly. So, Dan and I are going to start attempting to work with a slight format of that nature. And since we've gotten positive feedback on the uh, the other stuff, the uh, the non-wrestling segment, too, has been kind of positive. People enjoy that because it gives you a little break from the one thing and you never quite know what we're going to talk about. And that seems to be a lot of fun, too. So we're going to keep that going. But we're, we're going to call this the main event, even though it's not the last segment. That'll always be points or consequences, except for those like special circumstances when one of us was sick. And we were just like, all right, I'll come on, I'll do that real quick, and then I'll disappear. But, hey, I can actually edit those onto the ends of the show now, because I've got actual editing software again. But what I was saying was we'll, do, we have, we'll have something kind of planned, and we'll let the community pick what kind of stuff we talk about. And what we'll do on this show when we get to it is Dan went ahead and, because we'll say it now, the big story coming out of this week is The Undertaker has officially retired with the conclusion of The Undertaker Last Ride documentary. Like a fucking boss, five-part documentary, and it ends with him saying he's retired. Like, damn. (laughs) That's one way to do it. Now we'll see if he, we'll see if he, uh... We'll see which kind of retirement he has. Will it be the Shawn Michaels one where he actually stays retired? Except or will for the, it be the everybody else one? Or will it be the Terry Funk one? <laughs> <laughs> so there's two types of retirements. There's Shawn Michaels and then there's 
There's Terry Funk. And I know someone's going to point I remember it. watching uh, uh, Beyond the Mat in a theater, and it ends with, and since since Terry Funk's retirement, he's returned at the end of the movie, like, like in text. And then I laughed because I knew he had retired again and come back again since that movie <laughs> was finished. What I was going to say, though, is I know someone in the comments is going to be like, well, Sean did come out of retirement and wrestle. And I'm like, yeah, for the blood money. We already talked about that. For that, that blood money. He went to get that blood money. And he hated the match, too. So yeah, It was one of, the, one of the worst matches of the year. But Fuck yes, uh, so that will be the main event of this segment. And I'll go ahead and announce it now. I have officially settled on the subject for the next Chris Ranks the Universe. And I'm going to start working on that. Uh, I'm going to try to have that out within the next two to three weeks. Uh, be, be ready to do that. And Dan's already on the panel. It was not one of the ones that were being discussed as being next. Yes. Uh, but times change and something comes to the forefront and you want to jump on it as fast as possible. Exactly. Uh, I'm going to rank every Undertaker match that took place at a WrestleMania. The entire run from the Jimmy Snuka match. The, streak the whole way. The whole thing. Not so. We're gonna do the snooker match all the way up to the uh, the boneyard match. The so whole Undertaker like match going in its entirety tonight because they have no nothing for tonight. <laughs> right, because they're kind of getting shut down because COVID's running rampant. But that's part of the news. So that's what we're kind of looking at here. So the club, you guys in the club, you guys that I'm talking to right now. You guys, and I know some of y'all have already come up with stuff, you're going to get to choose what becomes the main event of the show, what becomes the big thing to talk about. Uh, we can do, like I said, I did that experiment the other week where I was just like, hey, let's let's figure out what would be in the top ten WrestleMania main events of all time. So that's the kind of stuff we want to look at here. Don't And we can do them both prepared and both on the fly, or on the fly. And on the fly stuff is usually more fun for me. Because if I have to prepare for something, I'm going to probably procrastinate it anyway, and it's going to get lost in the shuffle with the other prep work stuff that I do just to make this show happen, like watching two episodes of Monday Night Raw for a VIP show. Hour long or not. So, yeah, on-the-fly stuff would be the best best way to do it. Um, but that's kind of what we're looking at, so definitely give me some feedback and let me know what you guys think of that kind of idea for the show. That'll give us more of an identity, and then uh, moving forward, as we approach the second half of 2020, we'll have a whole half of a year where we'll have a huge subject to kind of tackle. Now, if there is a big current event thing that happens, like The Undertaker retiring, that steers us in that direction, so be it. But we want to collect as many ideas from you guys as possible to kind of put in the can. And I, I have seen that there's been a couple of ideas thrown around, uh, especially from some of our patrons. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'll make an official thread in our Facebook group. And if you guys want to join our Facebook group, uh, go to Facebook and look up Club Kayfabe, home of true wrestling fans. The banner is a Luthez quote. So it should... Uh, About him living the gimmick. Basically, yeah. <laughs> So, once you guys uh, just approve the rules and everything, you know, make sure you agree. Because if you don't, I'm not going to approve you. And I've, I've had people say, hey, they want to join. And then they're, I'm like, does they approve the rules? And it says no response. And I'm like, yep, they're up. 
Not happening. Yeah, like why even? Yeah, not gonna do it. The why, only... even hit, even, why even hit send? Yeah, but that's because we keep a tight-knit group. We keep a tight-knit community, and that's part of the, the experience of being part of the club. It's a club. Not everybody can get in. But if you're if you're kind and you are you obey the rules, then of course we'll let you in the club. And hopefully you'll become a new permanent member and enjoy what we have to offer. But uh if you are checking out CKCC Radio on any of those formats, make sure you're subscribing so you always get the latest notifications. I actually am subscribed to our own feed on Apple Podcasts through iTunes. And I've noticed I generally get a notification, like I'll publish the episode, and I'll get the notification usually within the hour or so that the new episode has gone up. So it's actually a pretty quick process here. Um, I am subscribed to us on Spotify, but Spotify, I don't know if they do notifications. I have them turned off, I think, because I can't stand excessive notifications on my phone. It's a battery killer, and it's also really annoying. Um, And then I subscribe to us on iHeartRadio, but... iHeart's the easiest way to subscribe to give us a subscriber count because you can do it right through your Facebook. So you can sign into iHeartRadio through your Facebook profile and then subscribe to CKCC Radio. It's the easiest way to do it. And while you're checking that out, check out all the other cool stuff we have to offer, like Real Paranormal Talk with Jeff Trelowitz. New episode should be coming out this weekend as we record. Uh, Ranking Tracks just did a new episode. I actually joined Jeff for that. We reviewed Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park, my all-time favorite album. And it was cool to see Jeff's reaction to it because he wasn't a big Linkin Park guy, and that was one of his first experiences listening to the whole album. Yeah, he says he only had heard two songs when, like, half more than half that album were singles, were hit singles. Which was, But that that made it more fun to uh, to rank, although he liked my least favorite song way more than I thought he would. Chester and his toys, as Dan called it. Hey, call it what it is, but... Of course, uh, J-Bunny's Music Hub just had another new episode go up. Episodes 40 through 46 have all gone up on Music Hub as part of the uh, conjunction here. And so he's been putting up new content instead of the backlog, but don't worry. The whole backlog will be available in time. Uh, The Board to Death binge cast keeps putting out new content... They, uh, they go up on YouTube first, but then they will come up on CKCC Radio, usually the same day or the next. The United We Fan podcast, Mark and Brian just talked about rides at Universal Studios, something near and dear to my heart. As you know, Dan, I worked there. Oh, did you? Uh, you knew that. Opening team, did Wizarding have- World. Yes. Did you happen to be the opening team at Wizarding World at Harry Potter? I don't know. Do I not mention it all the time? <laughs> Clearly, I'm not mentioning it enough. Uh, the Race Nerd Podcast just came out hey with man, an episode. Hey, man, you're, you're so cool because they closed down Interventions a couple of years after you left. They realized they couldn't do it. <laughs> they couldn't do it without Couldn't do it without me. Like, we tried a couple of years without Chris, but, man, we just can't Just do didn't it. work. Just didn't work. <laughs> And then a Stupid Sexy Podcast, and Dan and I are hopefully going to try to start streamlining that a little bit better, since there, we have a lot of Simpsons to cover. Uh, I, I've watched the next, the next two episodes. Uh, I was actually going to try to go for three, but we'll we'll see oh, how the we'll see how it goes. I was thinking I kind of want to get that on a three day a week 
release schedule. Okay. So I was thinking like a Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or since it, it doesn't look like a lot of our other podcasts are utilizing Tuesday and Thursday, I was thinking maybe Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, like we we record them on a Sunday like we usually do, and then I'll release one that day and then schedule the other two. Seems like a good way to do it. Maybe we'll stick to that. Maybe we won't. I have no idea. But uh, let's get to our show here. And as always, we kick it off with trivia. And tell everybody what Garza Jr.'s ring name was when he was masked. Because I thought it was kind of funny when I looked it up. His name was El Ico Del Ninja. Yeah, Del Ninja. So the son of Ninja. <laughs> I kind of feel like I've heard that before. I definitely have heard that somewhere. But I don't know the answer to this week's trivia question. Don't. I don't think so. There's a flashback to when I had a lot of uh, 90s sitcom related questions. We're back to a 90s sitcom. This wrestler was once on an episode of the Drew Carey show. Hmm. I'm actually, uh, actually going to look this up right now and see who it is. Oh, really? Oh, well, I would not have guessed that. That's awesome. I don't think I ever saw that episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch this one now because I'm already laughing at just the the reference. Well, the synopsis. They start a microbrewery or whatever, and they get a wrestler, a famous local wrestler, to be their endorser or whatever. And the name is funny too. <laughs> yeah, and then I realized that uh, that name is then used. I didn't realize it was like it was a reference to that because in Women of Wrestling, there was a wrestler called the Disciplinarian. That's even funnier. And that wrestler used the wrestler, this person's finisher. In WoW. Oh, God. So, look, it has to be a reference to this episode of Drew Carey Show. That's awesome. There's your trivia. All right. So, we'll go ahead. We'll save the, the biggest news for the week. We'll cover when we get to the, the main event, of course, because it ties into it. But the, uh, the COVID-19 run through WWE has been, well, kind of scary. Uh, we're looking at about two dozen employees, including in-ring talent, have all tested positive now. And from what I understand, this has a lot to do with the fact that uh, Kevin Dunn was adamant about no masks and downplaying the severity. And we all know Kevin Dunn is the biggest yes man in the company, except for possibly Bruce Pritchard. So we all know how that reacted. Um, Kayla Braxton has apparently gotten it twice. Although from what, I, what I'm hearing, you don't get it twice. You kind of get over it and it never truly leaves your system. Which is probably worse. Uh, Renee. The other other people we know. Yeah, Renee. Renee has, has it. it. But Mox is clear, but he still didn't work uh, Dynamite this week. <laughs> Could you imagine if that was the, the, they use that as like a Vince Grand scheme? Hey, make sure Renee gets sick so Mox takes it over to the competition. Everyone breathe on Renee. <laughs> Get right up in there, and then Moxley gets sick, and then it takes down AEW. Oh, no, so he God. he tested; he's okay, but he still didn't go. Um, Adam Pierce has it. I saw. I did see so, that. Yeah. Uh, 
plug one, so you know. Uh, and I'm like up to twenty more people. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. So we hope they all get well soon, but that means that there aren't anything. They're not taping anything right now because they're also in the the one of the biggest epicenter spikes is Florida. And I don't think that's helping anybody. So, yeah, we shall. Well, yeah, Florida went from completely closed to completely open. There was like no steps along the way. Yeah. Like, in fact, as we record this, uh, my county just went green today. So, well, my county's weird because I live in the county that has Charlotte in it. So, like. I might live a little bit away, and I might, and it might be fine here, but, you know. It's not fine there. Charlotte fucks over. Well, <laughs> well, let's talk about Charlotte. But not the city, the wrestler. Mm-hmm. So they did an injury angle with her. Nia Jax broke her collarbone. <laughs> Although I thought that was a shoot when I first read that. So my bad on that one. Although I'm still not on the Nia train. Uh... She's going in for surgery. It's undisclosed. She could be back for SummerSlam, but she may not be back till 2021. That's quite a freaking range there. Two months to six. <laughs> so, nobody's figured out what the surgery is. I've heard... She rumors, a new ass. <laughs> I've, I've heard rumors of plastic, but I've also heard that she might have some nagging stuff she's getting taken care of, too. So, so whatever works... Ever works for her. I don't know, she probably has knee issues because, like, all of her big moves are her knee, her knee grinders. Her. Uh, the former Sarah Logan, Crazy Mary Dobson, who Dan was a big fan of, has officially retired. It's not the big retirement story, of course. But she's not like, but she's like big, big retired. But she's she's stepping back, and she's got like these uh, outdoor shows she's doing. Um, I'm just gonna focus on that. Just good for her. I mean, why kill yourself and probably make less money than she is to probably doing these outdoor shows? Yeah. <clears throat> so, but you know what? Um, it's one of those things where uh, do what makes you happy, and if that's what's gonna make her happy, then I'm all for it, and I think she'll be good at it. No complaints from me. You know, I'll miss her, obviously, because she was a good talent, but... There, I mean, there was even a part where they were bringing her back immediately for part of a, an angle. But that, like, fell through. Apparently she was there to do it, and they just they didn't get to, they didn't get to do it. And that was probably her last straw. She's probably like, well, I got these offers to do these shows... Go do that. I'm sure there'll be a couple of one-offs here and there. So. Um, But, yeah, so the uh, speaking out movement has definitely continued to affect the the wrestling business as a whole. The, uh, some of the big ones, uh, I think the big one is Chikara, right? Chikara is straight up shutting down. Yep, so Chikara is done. And that's because of allegations against Quack, right? Yeah, and then a couple other people that are like mainstays. Well, like, 
when Joey Ryan pretty much ended up being done with the business as a whole, uh, his promotion, which was that, what was that called? It was Bar Wrestling? Something Bar Wrestling? Yeah, Bar Wrestling. Yeah, they pretty much, they severed ties with him, and they're like, we might restructure and come back, but we definitely won't be involving Joey Ryan. Uh, Joey Janela, I think his spring break party is pretty much done, or whatever that thing he was doing. That was a big one. Um, we already talked about David Starr being the pretty much the epicenter of it. But, uh, I mean, just some of the other stuff that's happened. Uh, Jimmy Havoc got sent home. They're reevaluating. Sammy Guevara got sent to counseling for comments about how he wanted to rape Sasha Banks. And they immediately were like, they sent, the, the best was they sent him to sensitivity training. And then they said they were going to donate his his uh, salary to a women's right motion in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that is the best way to slap, slap the guy in the face for that. It's like, you know, Apparently what? he spoke with Sasha for like a good amount of time, like the day after. I'm sure they buried the hatchet and everything like that. Cause I, I, I saw Sasha post something on Twitter about how like, I saw, a tweet from both, I saw tweets from both of them about it. Yeah. It was like, it was something like we talked, we're good. But still, you know, let this be a lesson There's or whatever. Overall positive thing, and we learn things, and yeah, it's going to get better. And yeah, you're going to get better, and you know it. You can you can say they were older comments. He probably doesn't feel that way anymore. But still, shit like that will seriously bite you in the ass. And that's why I've always like, I've always kind of thought that if I ever do legitimately start to get famous, I might just like shut down my Twitter and start start one from scratch and be like, all right, you know what? Here. Now uh, now nobody can ever dig up old tweets. <laughs> Just in case. I'm sure I've tweeted some stupid shit. Actually, there's no doubt about it. I know I have. So. I bet you I haven't. <laughs> I don't tweet. You don't, you don't tweet, yeah. <clears throat> but, uh. If I do, it's usually something light and. There have been all kinds of things, like freaking, uh. Now, I don't know the exact reason behind the, the termination of Tessa Blanchard from Impact, but they did it while she was still champ. So they've officially vacated the title. And I remember hearing something where it was like, well, how are we going to get ourselves out of this situation now that we made Tessa champ? And it's like, oh, easy. We'll just fire her. So there you go. Well, more and more, I hear she's just a total bitch and a nightmare to deal with. And she's burned almost every bridge. So... Like, Japan ain't going to take her back. She burned the bridge of stardom. Japan's not taking her back, so I guess she can work Mexico with Daga. <laughs> Dude, that's been the big thing, so, though, like, right? It's like, it's like she practically made a career out of just being a scumbag. I have not heard any positive stories about Tessa Blanchard. And I remember we covered it on the show. When she became champ, we were like, that's a really dumb move because they're doing this it's like, oh, they're gonna try to, uh, they're gonna try to uh, capitalize on this and the publicity, and it's like, oh, this is not the way you want to capitalize on this, and it's gonna bite them in the ass. And sure enough, it did because I know a lot of people were pissed off. So yeah. <clears throat> Oy vey. It's just one of those things, you know. Like, you made a dumb decision. You're, you're, you're at least getting out of it, even though it's a crappy way to get out of it. But still, stop making dumb decisions. 
like six months. <sighs> Tessa. Yeah, so... <laughs> so, while this is definitely the speaking out movement and a lot of termination, there are a lot of wrestlers who really, their careers should be canceled. Like, the fact that Joey Ryan made an entire career out of getting groped and now he's screwed for it. You know, that's one of those things where I'm just like, he deserves it. But if anything positive can come about this, it's that pro wrestling is literally taking out the trash. And this is honestly the best way to do it. You know what? Let And of course, then there's like the old stories coming back where it's just like, oh, this lady says that Kurt Angle raped her or tried to rape her or whatever. And it's like, yeah, well... I have a feeling it's not going to... We heard a Trinisha Biggers, Kurt Angle story like 15 years ago. Well, not 15 years ago, but like 13 years ago. Yeah, there's... there. I'm sure we're not done hearing the stories. But the one thing I do like is that a couple of the stories that have tried to come out as slander already got proven wrong. The, uh, the Cornette one is the best example. This guy came out and said that while he was in OVW, Cornette and his wife tried to groom him and, like, offer him all these sexual favors and anything. And they're like, uh, so when did you work in OVW? And he refused to answer the question. And somebody found out he was in 2017. And it's like, so Cornette and his wife tried to sexually harass you in the company that they severed ties with 10 years prior? (laughs) And then when the guy got called out on it, he just deleted his Twitter. So, and that's one of the big things that whenever these situations happen, I always say, if you're making shit up and you get caught, you deserve the same punishment that the, maybe not the same punishment, but you 100% deserve punishment that the actual people who did it did. Because those are serious accusations and... Coming, not going to tell us the story here, but coming from someone where that kind of accusation was once used as a threat, as a, well, I'll say this about you, that one stung really bad and really made me nervous and antsy. It's not fun. Don't do it. And, yeah. (sighs) What are your thoughts on this whole thing, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> the guilty deserve to fry, and the false accusators deserve to fry too. There you go. Um, we have some non-New Japan news, real quick, Dan. Oh yeah, we have technically everything but New Japan. Apparently, Junakiyama is going to DDT. And it's supposedly to be part-time, but it might be full-time, which is huge, because Akiyama's ran All Japan for several years. Um, it's like the main All Japan talent, right? Yeah, he's like he's the booker and promoter, I think. Yeah, there you go. And Samudo stopped doing it. So is, is he going to be running DDT or just working for know. it? I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> Who runs DDT right now? Because DDT is owned by some company, and that company also just bought Noah late last year. Hmm. So I think it's just some guy from the company that bought DDT. So maybe they want him to be like the booker and promoter for DDT? 
and they're trying them out. But that's huge if all Japan loses Akiyama. So what's the uh, what's the plan for uh, New Japan right now? What you got for our news? Well, in New Japan, they finished the first round and they started the second round. We got, I'm sorry, some idiot filled in the freaking full bracket even though matches haven't happened. <laughs> you look, That's one of those funny things about Wikipedia. Did they put Chris Benoit in there? No. But just know that if Hiromu Takahashi faces Kota Ibushi in the final, this guy knows spoilers. <laughs> uh, so, first round matches, Tanahashi faced Tai Chi, and Tai Chi beat him. Tai Chi beat Tanahashi. Damn. I know people are like, Tanahashi's just Japanese John Cena. And I'm like, no, because Tanahashi puts over underneath guys pretty regularly. Like, he loses to Yano every year. And in this case, he lost to Tai Chi. Kota Ibushi beat Zack Sabre Jr. in first round. Sonata beat Taguchi. Sho beat Shingo Takagi. That was one of the better matches. That was freaking nuts. Sho and Shingo, so they're probably blown up and he's going to lose the next match. Yoshihashi defeats Tenzan. Yoshihashi firing up, brother. Bushi beat Yo. Evil defeated Kojima. And Goto defeated Takahashi of the Yujiro persuasion. For first round matches. Now we've had four second round matches so far. That was on Wednesday. We had Makabe and Ishii. Ishii won. Just two big men slapping meat. We had Kanemaru and Ishimori face. Ishimori won that match. Main event on that night was Okada defeating Nagata in 20 minutes. Freaking great. Okada's doing that like. Um, Cobra hold whatever now. He's like doing STFs and uh, Cobra holds and stuff now. And he's winning, winning by sub. But the best match, well, the most fun match was Toro Yano and Hiromu Takahashi. Because in their uh, big tag match, like the day before to preview the match or whatever, uh, Yano taped his feet together, taped Takahashi's feet together, Hiromu's, Hiromu's feet together, and he was going to cut his hair. But they win, and they and he gets away. But he's tied, his feet are tied together with the tape, with the ring tape. So he's, like, bouncing around on his feet put together, and then he, like, gets around the ring, and he gets out and, like, gets up the stairs, gets down the stuff and like leaves the ringside area hopping around on two feet put together so it's time for the actual match and Hiromu comes out with a helmet on his head (laughs) (laughs) and so they have the match and at one point Yano gets the tape out and he tapes Hiromu's right leg to Yoda Suji's left leg (laughs) And he's gonna kill him. <laughs> and he's trying to get him to cut his hair again. He actually gets a little bit of his hair, 
but then then Hiromu and Suji work together and get Yano and work him towards backstage. They are at Kurokan Hall with no fans um, right now, or they were then. And they worked him backstage, and there's the elevator, like, right there. So they tape him up, throw him in the elevator, hit the down button, and they get back into the ring at, like, 19 and a half. And Yano loses by countout as he's on the first floor of the building, and they're on the sixth. <laughs> Takahashi. Yeru <laughs> Takahashi, attached to Yodasuji. <laughs> Beats Toru Yano because Toru Yano is five floors below them in an elevator tied up. Taped up. So funny. And then they leave together and they're like, okay, okay. We're going to go outside foot and then are tied together inside foot afterwards. That's how we're going to climb stairs. Oh my God. That's awesome. It's so, and, and them trying to get in to beat the 20 count, they almost didn't make it. <laughs> Because <laughs> Yoda is like you know fifty pounds heavier and like a foot taller than Hiromu, <laughs> but they get in count out victory. Great, nice, so fun. Uh, more shows, I think Monday. Yes. Yeah, so the so nobody can be updating these brackets yet. No. <laughs> But people but still it's are. filled in all the way except for who wins the final. And I'm telling you what, if those two people are in the final, well, if one of those two people are in the final, I would be very surprised. I told you. All right. Any other news that we need to cover? I thought it was written down. Oh, uh, I did. Re- I did just read one other name that tested positive: Jamie Noble. He's on the Jamie list. Noble? Oh, my, Jamie the next Noble. show is until Wednesday. Oh, yeah, I remember. There's a whole week off. Ugh. All right. Well, that about wraps up the uh, the news portion of the show. So let's go ahead and move on to the main event. Dan, tell everybody what you did because the big news, the biggest news, was that The Undertaker officially retired, as we said, like a boss. We're at the end of a five-part docu-series about him. And it was really freaking good. Like, really, really good. I like the last three years, right? 2017's WrestleMania match. Yeah. It was funny because somebody was like, he's got to be retiring because he's letting them, he's letting the curtain, he's pulling back Uh, the curtain for the first time. I've seen some of his interviews since they started showing the series, and he's like, yeah, like, I thought I was going to be done then, so that's why I started letting him film me for that WrestleMania so I figured I was going to be done. Right, there you go. And then he starts feeling good and is able to do another one and then another one. Anyway, uh, so we said, hey, let's do something Let's do something special for The Undertaker. Let's do some retrospective thing. Maybe we'll do a ranking. And I was like, let me look at stuff. Because like, there's like the obvious. Let's do the, the streak. That's 21 matches. Right. right? And, I, and I had said <laughs> I would. Well, I had said I was going to do Taker's whole mania run when he did officially retire. Just so happens that he didn't, and I was looking for a new subject for New Ranks of the Universe, and I was like, well, there you go. That made that easy. Because he ain't going to have another one. Watch him have another one. Um, especially since he's going to do the cinematic matches now. 
Yeah. So probably. I was like, okay, like what else could I do, right? Like, I mean, Undertaker's synonymous with a few match types, right? You do that. And I'm like, you know what? Undertaker wasn't champion very often. Maybe yeah, I'll do that if I don't kill myself trying to do a full ranking. Project. Well, he was one of those guys where he didn't really need to be champ, but but it worked. Well, we're going to find out because he didn't need to be champ because when he was champ, it was awful more often than not. <laughs> As we're going to find out now because I am ranking Undertaker's world-level title reigns. He is a seven-time world-level champion. Okay. And we're going to go from the worst Rain to the best rain, and well, I got breakdowns. I have how when he won it, from who he won it, all that kind of when he lost it, if he lost to any title defenses he made on pay per view because I'm not scrambling through every episode of Raw and or SmackDown or in a couple of these random episodes of Superstars and Main Event and stuff like that. Cause oh so anyway here we go number seven the worst world level title reign is Undertaker's first reign <laughs> as WWF champion. He won the title from Hulk Hogan at Survivor Series November twenty seventh nineteen ninety one a year after his debut. The match was in the middle of the show. I, I make that note by the way if it's like a jerker in the middle or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in the middle of the damn show. The match is bad because Undertaker was too much in too much gimmick. So he didn't move and he didn't do anything besides punch punch and and Hogan was Hogan in ninety one, late ninety one. <laughs> so he was over it and people were over it. But Ric Flair comes out and does some shit. And Undertaker beats Hogan. Oh, yeah. It's a Ric Flair holds a chair. And Undertaker misses the chair. <laughs> and pins. Uh, and pins. He clearly misses the chair. And they show it like 10 times between this and the next match. Oh, God. Uh, so match ends. Undertaker leaves with the title. And then five minutes of Hulk Hogan acting like he's dead. And then walking away crying. Oh, God. That See, sounds... I, I knew I knew he wasn't going to get over his champ because more people were watching me than him. Brother. Anyway, uh, so he loses the title to Hulk Hogan on December 3rd. Yeah. December 3rd on this Tuesday in Texas. Another bad match because, again, this is 91, 91 Hulk Hogan and Undertaker when he was too gimmicky. <laughs> And Hogan wins with some Ric Flair chicanery. Bad match. The championship is vacated the next night because of Flair's influence on both matches. So, again, so more bullshit. But let's let's cap off all that, that bullshit sandwich with this leads to Royal Rumble 1992 and one of the greatest moments in wrestling history. Yes. And, yeah, and that's still my favorite Royal Rumble. It was a six-day reign with zero (laughs) successful defenses. (laughs) So it is The Undertaker's worst world championship reign. His first reign as WWF champion. Late November to early December. Six days. Jeez. 
Number six is the third reign is WWF champion. One from Steve Austin, May 23rd, 1999, at Over the Edge. Ugh. Yes, I know. Over the Edge. Yeah. Shane McMahon was the special guest referee. There was an ongoing storyline through the entire show. It's going to be Shane and Vince's special guest referee. Oh, well, we had someone attack Vince, and now Pat Patterson's going to be the referee. And so Undertaker and Shane beat up Pat Patterson right before the match starts as they're out there making introductions. So it's just Shane, and then Vince comes out in the middle of the match. Anyway, this match is actually kind of good despite all that, but the ending is a screw job, fast count from Shane for the Undertaker to win the title. Title defense against The Rock at King of the Ring. Good match. There you go. 1999, King of the Ring. Okay. Where uh, Billy Gunn wins King of the Ring. Yeah, not but a good King of the Ring. The Rock. Title defense against The Rock. Good match. He loses the title back to Steve Austin on an episode of Raw, June 28th, 1999. In Charlotte. Yes, in Charlotte, it was a good match. Again, I believe this is the day after that King of the Ring. There's a couple of these where it's like the day after, I think. Yeah, like that's, show after. that's um, happened a couple times, I think. So uh, I only did this a couple of times to tell you what, what happened with the title after Undertaker, after the person after beat Undertaker. This one goes until Austin loses the title at SummerSlam in the Jesse Ventura triple threat match. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does that. Okay. This ends, this is a total of a thirty six one day reign and thirty six day reign and one successful defense on paper. That sounds awful, but it's the second worst. <laughs> Number five, the fourth reign of the WWE Championship. Okay. It was one from Hollywood Hogan on May nineteenth, two thousand two, at Judgment Day. Oh, God, I remember that. This match is okay. Yeah. Uh, then he has a successful defense against Triple H at King of the Ring. This is the thing, I, I believe there's like three of these. He uh, he actually lost it the next night on Raw after he won it to Rob Van Dam. But it was right after Flair turned heel and his foot was on the rope and Flair was like the commissioner. So he's like, no! He said it just like that, too, with no eloquence, because it's Ric Flair. It's it's hyper-ass Ric Flair. Because this happened, because uh, this was a- around the string of Raws when I went live. So I remember all yeah, these yeah. pretty well, because I was at, uh, actually, since we're talking about it, I was at the last Raw of Taker's title reign this time around. Oh, the go-home for vengeance? Yeah, we reviewed it on the VIP show, my first Raw. You know, I like I remember some of these. Like, oh, this we like covered the Raw the week before, the week after this. Um, so yeah, King King of the Ring match against Triple H, pretty good match. I put well, okay, it was an okay match, is what I put down. So I'm guessing it didn't like it wasn't great. And then again, and then title loss to The Rock, August twenty first, two thousand two, at Vengeance. It was a triple threat that also included Kurt Angle. Good match. The Rock pins Kurt Angle. 
Right. So Taker lost the title without, because that was the big thing was Taker was like, Taker wanted to go after Brock, but Brock was big evil Undertaker. But then they officially split the titles too, and then that's when we got the Triple H Reign of Terror. And of course, uh, and then uh, additional note: The Rock holds on the title until SummerSlam when he and Brock Lesnar happens. <laughs> so, this was a sixty-three-day reign with one successful defense on pay-per-view and one on TV, according to Chris, because he was there. I wasn't there, but I was watching. Oh, you're yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't there for the title match. the The match I got was that tag match we reviewed. Taker was with Brock. And they faced oh, yes. R- RVD and Flair because Flair had then turned babyface. It was not a sh- it was not a long heel reign. Around to our fourth best title reign, and that was his second reign as world heavyweight champion. He won the title from Edge at WrestleMania twenty four in a great match. Uh, it was a little long. IMHO. Same with his successful defense against Edge at Backlash. Good, but a little long. Well, get ready, because I'm reviewing that match and ranking it. That WrestleMania match. Yes. Um, so the successful, so he won against Edge at WrestleMania, beats him in the rematch at Backlash, but also we do find out he did defend the title on SmackDown Two days before, three days before that backlash, by the way. Because on April 29th episode of SmackDown, which I believe I have, I got this from Wikipedia, so these are the Tuesdays and the show was shown on Thursday. So technically it was like the May 2nd episode of SmackDown. Undertaker was ready to defend the title against Kali. This was a special episode of SmackDown where they defended all the titles on the show. He's going to defend against Kali. But instead of having the match, Vicky Guerrero shows up strips him of the title and bans the Hell's Gate, which has not been named yet, because your your chokehold is illegal and you have hurt too many wrestlers. Excuse me. No, she wasn't doing excuse me yet. She was just totally useless bitch. Um and you crushed too many Larnix. <laughs> so Undertaker loses his second reign as champion, as a heavyweight champion. Because Ricky Guerrero decides to just take the belt off of him. So, 30-day reign, or 32 or 33 or whatever, because of SmackDown Air two days after it was recorded, one successful defense on pay-per-view. Number three, the first reign as world heavyweight champion. Match was the title was one from Bautista, April first, two thousand seven, at WrestleMania twenty three. The match was in the middle of the show, and guess what? In retrospect, this is a good match. It's mm-hmm. funny because at the time, I was Batista's got this fucking Superman push for three years now. It's fucking bullshit. I hate it, and he's going to beat the streak. I hate that too. Well. Not worried about that. Just enjoy the match. <laughs> it's amazing how better some of those matches were when you took the streak, the streak factor out of it. I was like, what the fucking Batista Superman push and is freaking gonna end the streak, you son of a bitch. No, nope, just a good match now. 
uh, title defense against Batista at Backlash, last man standing. Good match. What the fuck? <laughs> it actually it actually ends in a draw because it ends with uh, they just fucking kill each other, and then the, the finish is they uh, like a spear that they go off the edge of the stage and they go into like a thing into a hole <laughs> and then of course you know like of course electronics spark 20 feet away from them and then part of the set falls down and then neither of them get up in 10 seconds but then but the Undertaker was the first one up and again it's well it's a tie so he def- successful defense he's still champion this title reign ends against Edge on May 8th, SmackDown, which again would be May 11th, I think, or whatever, because of taping. Now, he loses to Edge, but first, the Steel Cage title match is against Batista, which ends in a draw, because they both hit the floor at the exact same time. Which, of course, like, and I'm just, like, watching them, like, they're going to the tape, and they're re-showing it, when they obviously have edited it because they've had two and a half days since they fucking recorded it. <laughs> right? <laughs> so they make it so they land at the exact same time and they say, well, it's a draw and it's a successful defense. And they bring the cage up. Mark Henry attacks! And beats up the Undertaker. And then Edge cashes in his second money in the bank. Which gives me an additional note because Edge didn't win the money in the bank the second time. That was Mr. Kennedy's money in the bank, which he got hurt at one point. The initial WWE doctor said, well, this guy's fucked. He's not going to be around for six months and he can't do any TVs. He, they job him out of the briefcase then like the next night on Raw. And then he goes to a real doctor who says six weeks and you can do everything but bump for that six weeks. Too late, they already done took his world title match off of him. And they already cashed it in that next night on SmackDown taping. Good night. And yet, so, you still didn't rank this the lowest. 37-day reign, one successful defense on pay-per-view. See, now, when it comes down to some of these in the middle, they only one's only slightly better than the other because one only had okay matches and the one had and the other had good matches. I know. It, it sounds awful when you actually say it out loud. Thank God he was not known for his title reigns. <laughs> nope. All right. The number two best world title reign for The Undertaker is his second reign as WWF champion. The This, is, this one has the Psycho Sid? Yes. Ooh, okay. Yeah, take us through this one. He won from Psycho Sid, March 23rd, 1997, WrestleMania 3. This is a bad match. But it's second on your list. Well, it ain't freaking second because of this match. <laughs> it's second. Ugh. Bad match. They knew it was going to be bad. So what did they do? Shawn Michaels comes out, has an entrance longer than almost this match. <laughs> And Sean does commentary for the match. And then, even before the match starts again, Bret Hart comes out. And Bret Hart comes into the ring, and he cuts a promo on Sean. 
and then he cuts a promo on The Undertaker. Then he cuts a promo on Sid. And then Sid beats him up, power bombs him, and says, Use a bitch. And then Brett leaves. And then we proceed to have one of the worst main event matches in WrestleMania history. With Shawn Michaels on commentary realizing that if he wasn't such a bitch, he'd be, this would be a great match. <laughs> There'd be a great match at the end of WrestleMania this year. And Bret Hart makes two interferences during this match. Like, Bret Hart comes in before the match and twice during the match. Because they knew how bad this match was. So again, Shawn Michaels has an entrance almost as long as the match. He does commentary the entire match. Bret Hart showed up three times in this match because they knew how bad this match was going to be. Undertaker beats Sid to become champion. Then we have a title defense against Mankind at In Your House Revenge of the Taker because this is when Paul Bearer has turned on Undertaker and has gone with Mankind. So this is what his revenge is. He's going to get Mankind. He's going to get Paul Bearer. He successful defense against Mankind. Good match because I don't think they ever had a bad match in fully. Then successful title defense against Steve Austin at In Your House, A Cold Day in Hell. Good match. So he started, he's putting together some good matches here. Title defense against Farouk at King of the Ring. Okay match. This was when uh, Nation was starting to fall apart. The different factors within the Nation. You know how nuts it is to go back in time and look at like the 97 timeline and be like, Austin was getting title shots, but he didn't get his first reign until WrestleMania 14. And that's what officially capped off the whole movement. Yeah. So, anyway, so he beats Farouk. Okay, match. He title defense against Vader at In Your House Canadian Stampede. Another okay match because Vader and WWF, they didn't know what they were doing with him. And he, and I think the, having too many people telling him what to do pissed him off and annoyed him. So, Vader and WWF was not good. Just an okay match. Now we go to the title loss. Losing to Bret Hart, August 3rd, 1997. SummerSlam, Shawn Michaels, the special referee. Good match, and it ends with Shawn accidentally hitting Taker with the chair after Bret spit on him. <laughs> and he has to call a three count because they said if he, specifically, if he screws Bret over, he's fired or some shit. Um, and hey, then Bret hey, you... holds on to the title until the screw job. Yeah, I was about to say, that's the that's that reign. <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. That's that's the additional note on that. So, our second best reign of The Undertaker was 133 days with four successful defenses on pay-per-view. And you guys... And that's why it's number two, because it had four successful defenses, and yeah. some of them were actually good. Well, you don't have to wait too long to hear our review of SummerSlam 97, because that will be happening for our VIP show in August, when Glenn is back on the show. We've already agreed to do that as our SummerSlam review, because that was Glenn was there live for that SummerSlam. You really spit on him, dude. It was like freaking... Well, you'll get to hear more thoughts on that for $5 a month. Patreon.com slash club. You guys want to wait another two months for that? Uh, Just give us... And I guess if you haven't figured out by now, the number one world-level title reign for The Undertaker was his third reign as world heavyweight champion. Yes, his last reign as champion was his best reign as champion. And his (laughs) first one was his worst one. 
I mean, that happens, right? He wins against CM Punk at Hell in a Cell in a Hell in a Cell match. This opened the show. It was a good match. Now, you're going to see a couple things about why this is probably the best one, because after this, he does one one-on-one match. <laughs> uh, no, wait, no, two one-on-one matches, okay. But the other one-on-one match is gimmicked. Title defense against Batista, CM Punk, and Rey Mysterio four-way at bragging rights 40 minutes into the show. Yes, 40 minutes into the show means it was probably the second match. Match is good. Additional note, this is when Batista turns on Rey. Oh, it's that match. You know, yeah, and, like, the match ends, and then, like, Undertaker's just gone immediately. Punk's just gone immediately, and Batista and Rey are in there. And then they have Josh Matthews pop in, and he's like, Hey, how you guys doing? You guys still friends? <laughs> he's like, yeah, we did a good job. We were, just, we were we're close, but you know, just not this time. We'll, we'll, we'll do it another day. And then Batista's like, I'm kind of sick of people I thought were my friends screwing me over. And then he just kills him for like as long as the match was. He just commits a murder. <laughs> you were supposed to be my friend. Okay. Uh, second successful def- title defense against The Big Show and Chris Jericho when they were both the combined tag team champions because they were doing that shit with yep, the four belts. I, mem- I remember that, yep. This was that Survivor Series? This match was in the middle of the show. Well, because there were two titles. Um, but this match is has its notoriety because it is when... Go back to Toronto. I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot. Yes, that's the match. That's when this happens. Uh, good match. Our dare six with defense. Title defense against Batista at TLC in a chair match. This match was in the middle of the show. It was okay because chair matches suck. Mm-hmm. Batista wins, but Teddy Long is like, no, 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 player, you hit him in the jewels. We're starting a match over, players. And then immediately <laughs> he gets Tombstone and Hardinger wins. Then we have a title defense against Rey Mysterio at the Royal Rumble, and this was good. And then he loses the title to Chris Jericho, February 21st, 2010, at Elimination Chamber. This is an Elimination Chamber match, which also featured John Morrison, CM Punk, Rey Mysterio, and R-Truth. This is a really good match. But there are two notes to make up this match. Number one, this is the one where Taker gets burnt by his pyro and is super pissed and runs to the ring and throws all his shit off. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, he lost because that's when he lost the title, right? And this is also known as the match when Shawn Michaels pops up from under the the, the chamber, hits him with sweet chin music, so Jericho wins the title and runs away. And he just looks at Taker. Because he's found a way to make it that Taker would take the second match. Hey. I was like, oh my god, this was, the, this was the same match that both of these happened. Jericho, uh, when he, he was telling the story in his book, he said when he went backstage after the match, he said Taker was just sitting there in the doctor's room. He goes, listen, he's like, I don't want an apology. I don't want to see the guy that did it. I just want you to get him out of here. Because if I see him, I'm going to kill him. 
and they said they said the guy was literally escorted out of the building and never seen again. That's a job where you don't get a second chance. Same thing when they did the um, the guy with AEW, right? Because they they said no pyro because they're making the entrance with the dog, and the guy said a fucking pyro, and the dog freaked the fuck out, and they fired him. And we said this is a job where you don't get a second chance because lives are on the line. Yeah, and if you're just gonna fucking scare a dog, you're gonna fucking murder somebody, maybe. Uh, Taker also said that what prevented him from actually being seriously injured or even killed was the fact that he had the leather coat, the hat, and the fact that he wet his hair. He said if he didn't do anything like that, he could have been seriously hurt. You can see, like they gave him bottles of water, like so, like in because he was like the last guy out. Yeah, he was so just pouring water on himself. A, and there's a bottle of water like next to him the entire time. Like they're giving him bottles of water. They were just giving him water so he could just pour it on himself, yeah. And he said, uh Jericho like whispers to him and he's like, Should we change anything? He's like, No, just stick with what we got, kids. Jericho's like, Oh fuck, I'm supposed to put him in the walls. <laughs> yeah, which he, he he purposely puts his arm underneath him so he doesn't Yeah. Doesn't do it. And then he also does like there's a part where he's putting him in the in the Hell's Gate, and he's just freaking like my hand and my arm are right there on the burn. <laughs> His hand oh, and arm are like, right God. there on the burn. Uh, yeah. So this is a hundred and forty day reign, the longest reign with four successful defenses on pay per view, uh, and this is the best reign, the longest reign, the most good matches. Yeah, I will agree with that. I think it was probably his best reign too. Was his last one? It's a good way to go out as champ, right? And it set up one of the best stuff, some of the best stuff, WrestleMania. And almost every match had a historical significance to it. We got, of course, Batista turning on Ray at the end of the one match. We got, I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot. And another match. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff, like, because, like, I wouldn't have realized that. Like, no, but I went through and I watched all these matches. And I'm like, oh, wait, shit. This is that one, yeah. Like I, I didn't even remember that both of those things happened at that one chamber. That was the same chamber they both happened at. It's crazy. So again, worst reign. Number seven, his first reign as WWF champion. His number six, the third reign as WWF champion. Number five, fourth reign as WWE champion. Number four, second reign world heavyweight champion. Number three, first reign as world heavyweight champion. Number two, second reign WWF champion, and the number one, third reign as world heavyweight champion. <laughs> we should do it. We should do a ranking of uh, Bruno San Martino's two two title reigns. Uh, the think... short one and then the long one. <laughs> and then the long one. <laughs> Se- there, segment over. All right, I got I got an interesting piece of trivia to tie in here because I got the list of all the champs that have held the WWE Championship, the real one. So obviously we all know Bruno's at the top for for longest reigns overall combined. But do you remember who has the longest one time? They were only champ one time. Who has the longest reign? Do you remember? It's the fifth champ. Fifth person to ever be champion. Because. San Martino, Hogan, Backlund, and Cena have all had huge title reigns with combinations, but for this guy only held it one time. 
one time. So who, and it was that long? Was it? Freaking... It was a thousand. It was a thousand no, and twenty-seven days. Yeah, Backlund was twice. One thousand twenty-seven days. Jeez, you got to think back to the seventies. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Pedro. Oh, I Pedro Morales. Nah, he was a. It was a big rain. You know who's next for just one-time champs? <laughs> Diesel. Three fifty-eight. And then Bill, and then Billy Graham, Ultimate Warrior, and JBL are your top five people who only held the title one time, but held it for the longest amount. I thought that was kind of an interesting little piece of trivia. And of course, everybody knows who the lowest one is, and that's Andre, who held it for a couple minutes before he was like, I relinquished the World World Tag Team Championship to Ted DiBiase. And of course, there's Rey Mysterio, who... Yeah, he had it for a day. No, not even a day. Because he won that tournament after Punk left, right? Yeah, and then he... Yeah, yeah. And then and then Johnson was like, you can't be champ when I'm the champ. And then, so he's like, okay, well, then I'll fight you later tonight. And then John Cena won. And then after that match happened, CM Punk showed up, which made the entire thing null and void. CM Punk should be world champion. <laughs> well, and the lowest person with a, uh, and then a lowest after that would be Kane, who was champ for a day, and Vince, who was champ for six. Well, you can have stuff like Ted DiBiase had the belt in his possession for eight days before they officially said that his reign didn't count. Same with Anoki, six days. Yep. But his reign didn't count. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's kind of crazy that Buddy Rogers was only champ for 36 days. But it's true. 36 days. Yep. Alrighty, so I'm not going to go crazy into the non-wrestling segment because we're kind of running long here. But I'll do I'll touch on it a little bit next week. But what I want to do is a segment about how I would create the... Because I, I see, I've seen jokes about it. But after playing a lot of Smash Brothers, I was like, you know, we could make a Nintendo Cinematic Universe. It would be possible, but it has to be done right. And... I have a couple of ideas on how this would work, and with the fact that Illumination Animation is giving us a Super Mario Brothers movie, which will hopefully erase the bad taste of the old Mario Brothers movie, which is still fun in its own way, but is really not a good movie. Uh, I still maintain that The Legend of Zelda would be a better TV show than a movie, and... Considering that some of the other franchises already have stuff that they could do and be successful. I mean, they made a Kirby TV show. And as far as I know, it was pretty successful. We already know Pokemon's a TV show. And, I mean, they've done Mario TV shows and everything. They were cheesy, but they were they were kind of fun to watch. Mario Super Show. Except that I always hated the Mario World show because they made... They made uh, uh, Yoshi a big coward. Well, he doesn't like water. He didn't like anything. 
Well, like I understand like making Yoshi afraid of ghosts because in the in the game he never went into the ghost houses. And he never went into the castles or anything, but like uh I don't know, they made him they made him kind of unlikable. Toad was actually easier to work with. So But Super Mario World is a blast from the past. Super Mario World. World. <laughs> so, Super Mario World. It's so, a blast from the past. We'll talk about that next week. I'll go into my idea for a Smash Brothers cinematic universe. First, I want to thank our patrons. And I want to thank a couple by name because they get their shout-outs guaranteed to them. Glenn, Randy, Jeff, Jay, and Adrian. You guys rock. By the way, on this week's VIP show, Dan and I are going to review a special Raw from Jeff Trelowitz. The first Raw he was ever at. Nice. Uh, we're actually going to review... He was actually there in person. We're actually going to review two Raws because they're only an hour each and they tie into each other. That will be the October 4th and October 11th, 1993 editions of Monday Night Raw. That's year one Raw, bro. And there's some wrestle crap on the show. So yes. Kind of works for me, to, for me too. <clears throat> All right. But let's play a game, Dan. Let's play a little points of consequences. Air warfare? Oh. What's up? As a nuclear warfare? Oh, yeah. Oh, we could do that too. So, I, um, the idea was you, Dan wanted to do a guessing game, right? Mm-hmm. So we asked you guys to badly explain a song, with the idea that Dan would have to guess. Uh, I don't know how you plan to assign points based on that knowledge, but we'll let you let you figure it out as we go along. You ready to pl- to guess some songs with their bad explanations? Yes. Okay. Indeedly, doodly. Neighborino. All right, here we go. The realm of existence is imaginary in a moderate water-traveling vessel. Mm. Moderate. <laughs> Moderate. And I was starting to think, and I had an idea, and then all of a sudden, some of the things don't line up. Well, what's what's a guess? I was thinking yellow submarine originally. It's actually a good guess, but that is not the correct answer. Any other? Guesses? Should I take that as a no? A moderate? Moderate water traveling vessel. A moderate traveling vessel when it's about the world not being as it seems? The realm of existence is imaginary. While you're on a moderate. Nah, man, this is too deep for me right now. 
I think you were trying to go a little too deep. The song is Row, Row, Row Your Boat. Oh, God. Oh, life is but a dream. Fuck off. <laughs> no, you did it. You freaking, you did it pretty good, actually. So you get points. All right. That's your first batch of points. Because I didn't, I didn't get it. All right. This person didn't, wasn't going to put the title, but somebody asked them to, so... The proof of my native land is not fake. Proof of my native land is not fake. So I think like that's real. Proof of my native land is not fake. Well, you got you got one of the words, real. But what's real? Yeah, I'll give you that one. It is real. But what's real? Real, real is in the song. Real is in the name of the song. But what's real? One night in Bangkok. No. <laughs> would you like the... Would you like it? <laughs> you're thinking... Damn, son. Yeah, you're thinking... <clears throat> Let me... Uh... I know. What was, what was the, the thing again? The proof of my native land is not fake. Oh, fuck it. You're real American. Yes, sir. That is the answer. I was like, fucking land down under? Like, <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. Fucking real American. Brother. Oh, points. I'm glad they put the answer, because I actually couldn't have guessed that myself, but whatever. All right. Sugary, narcoleptic, hallucinatory episodes are caused by the following. Okay, so night. So we're drinking at night. Is like the... <laughs> narcoleptic, hallucinatory episodes. So we're drinking... So like having you're up all night because you drank too much um I wouldn't say alcohol is part of this hmm you jacked up on Mountain Dew uh, I mean that I guess that could be part of it So up all night. There's like a million songs about being up all night. There's a Hinder song literally called Up All Night. I mean, like fucking 25 or 6 to 4. It's <laughs> about being up all night. All right. Are you, you want it? You want a hint? Uh, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. No, but that's, you're actually close. Cl Closer than you realize. Oh, am I? 
Sweet dreams are made of these. Oh. Oh, okay, that's the sweet, okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was actually a good description. Sugary narcoleptic hallucinatory episodes are caused by the following. Oh, God. Really? That's actually really good. I was just in a different headspace for that shit. You get an earmark. That's actually very good. All right, our first earmark. Here we go. Smile, my beloved Dan Peck. You're old. That's the thing? That's the clue. Smile, my beloved Dan Peck. You're old. I'm old. Why Why is my name in there? There's no songs about me. <laughs> well, there actually is. But it can be about anybody. Smile, you're old. <laughs> you're going to laugh when I tell you what it is because it's really clever. Is it? It is. What is shit funny as money? <laughs> it's the happy birthday song. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. You get points. You to you. It's Star Wars. I wish you could hear the song they're referencing. But alas, the only people who heard it were the ones that made it. Oh, and the otherworldly creature who issued the challenge. That one's that overdid, and it's too easy. Oh, you know it. Tenacious D tribute. Yes, it is. I'm gonna give you a fitty. I think that was a little, little bit too TMI. Okie doke. But I did feel good knowing it like immediately. So. All right, next one. Mr. Warbucks isn't singing about a hard knock life, but asking if she is okay. Oh, God. Smooth criminal. Yep. Are you talking about, like, the Jay-Z version? And then they're like, oh, wait. I like that they specified it was smooth criminal from the King of Pop. Oh, yeah. As opposed to Alien Ant Farm. Who did actually a really good version. Indeed. It might not have done anything else that was all that good, but that was a pretty good cover. They have like two other songs that I like. They did movies, which they released as a single five times, I think. (laughs) Points. You've been hit by, been struck by. Smooth criminal. There you go. Remember hearing that at the end of Tough Enough every freaking week? Uh huh. <sighs> you cannot make physical contact with me. Cease your current activities. My timepiece indicates a necessity for mallets. For mallets, yes. 
can't touch this MC. Yep. But you know what? You get nothing because that's a fucking meme. <laughs> With that guy that from like the 1700s that looked like a pimp. Yes. Like the self-portrait. Yeah, I love that self-portrait. Every, everyone old-timey stuff. I've seen that a million times. Oh, you still get your name in the raffle box, but yeah. That's a fucking meme, bro. <clears throat> my gift to you are my nether regions in a nice package. Mm-hmm. Oh my, if this is person who is who I think it is, because it came up yesterday. Dick in a box. Yes, it is. Do you want to guess whose entry this is? My guess is it's Ellis. No, it is not. Oh. <laughs> it is not Ellis. Because it came up yesterday with our D&D group, but we didn't play D&D because Eddie forgot it was Thursday. And then a couple of our players had issues with the freaking websites. So a couple of us just hang out, hung out, and played games on the computer and stuff. I'm going to tell you right and now. Dick in a Box came up during that conversation. I'm actually going to tell yeah. you this right now. Ellis did not play an entry this week. What a piece of shit. <laughs> but no, that was not Ellis. Does that affect your voting? No. Points. Okay. <clears throat> Step one. Put a hole in a box. Two. Put your dick in that box. Three. Make her open the box. It's the song that retail employees hate come Christmas time. That'd be all, all, all of them, Alex. <laughs> I'm going to guess. Just, it could be anything, but I'm going to guess it's Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas. That's is. actually a good guess. It is not the answer, but that was a good God guess. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, we all know that one gets a little too much overplay. This would literally be any Christmas song ever. Well, they did pick one specific, although I do remember in the comments somebody was like, isn't this every Christmas song? So. Especially since there's like a million great versions of a million different songs and they just play like the two. Mm-hmm. She's like, come on, people. I have like a full YouTube playlist of all my favorite versions of different songs, and it's freaking great, and I love it. That's like the big problem I have with Christmas music, though, is there's X amount of songs, and a lot of them get replayed, even if they are different versions. It's like, uh, but this version sucks. So do you want to actually take a guess? About other... other uh, okay, Christmas Shoes. No. Um... Think about, like, the only, the handful of Christmas songs I don't actually like. Um, uh, I'll give you a hint if you've actually followed anything I've posted about Christmas music. It's actually my favorite Christmas song. How is it? It is. Is it one of those ones where it doesn't actually take, doesn't it, it isn't actually a Christmas song? No, it is, but it's not... It's Do you not is that, that most Christmas songs are just winter songs. Like uh like Jingle Bells is actually about a trip to 
to go to Thanksgiving dinner and has nothing to do with Christmas at all. And like Frosty the Snowman is about a snowman. And like, yes, he'll come back on Christmas Day, but... And then this is like my favorite things. There's nothing in favorite things about Christmas. Just because Christmas is one of your favorite things doesn't make that song about Christmas. Jeez, what is your favorite Christmas song? Most wonderful time of the year. See, now here's the thing. I, The first 20 times I heard it was the freaking Office Max back to school sale. <laughs> In the nineties, uh, like I never it, heard that song in Christmas time. I only heard it in that fucking Office Max ad. But it has to be the Andy Williams version, of course, dude. Andy Williams. Andy, Andy Williams. Williams. <laughs> we don't need to stop here. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> we'll get to that episode in like twenty twenty three. Yeah. At some point, <laughs> we're gonna go to the World's Fair. <laughs> All right, so what's your verdict on that one? That's points, I guess. Uh, half. You want know, to only do half? All right, I'll do half. I give you half because it's just like a million songs that could Damn, have been. We've, we've not, been, not specific. We've been taking this game on for a while. <laughs> but all right, let's uh, do the next one here. I need the location of the poverty stricken section of the city. I need the location of the poverty-stricken side of the city. Somebody wants to know where the poor people are? Well, that's one way of putting it. Don't Don't think poor, though. Think more dangerous. Okay. Think of some terms for dangerous sections of cities. That might help you. Think of dogs barking. Maybe that'll help. Dogs barking? <laughs> Did that help? Now you're just really throwing me off. I have no idea, man. Where the hood, where the hood, where the hood at? It's DMX. Yeah, I wouldn't. The Dog Master Extreme? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't know that. So what's your verdict then? Know your audience, you get... No, you did a good job, so you get 50. Know your audience. Okie dokie. Now we are at the chase. Unzi. Unzi. We all maintain residence in a structure of obnoxious color. That residence is most uncomfortable. And no, it's not the back of a Volkswagen. What? Okay, now I I, I have my definite one, but I, I got a what the fuck that entry. But my my guess is Pink House is John Mellencamp. No. <laughs> you actually guessed tried to guess this earlier on another entry. We all we all live in a yellow submarine? Yes. 
Maintain residence in a structure of obnoxious color that residence is most uncomfortable. And no, it's not the back of a Volkswagen. Yes, I enjoy the mall rats reference as well. You get points. All right. Because little pink house is for you and me. <laughs> so it's everyone in a little pink house. <clears throat> My girlfriend has a huge ass and I like it. Oh man! Kill, call one nine hundred mix a lot and kick those nasty thoughts. <laughs> Baby got <Yeah>. back. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's it. That's the one. That one gets points. All right. This next one is not communicated through words. It's just two emojis: a finger pointing and a fist. Finger pointing in what direction? Towards the fist. Okay. I don't think this person understands that this is not going to translate well to an audio podcast. They're pointing to a fist. Yes. More accurately, they would be making a circle with their fist and the finger would be going in and out of that circle. Oh. Okay. So there's something about fucking. Exactly. It is most definitely a song about sex. And it's Which... called The Bad Touch nope. by the Bloodhound Gang. Nope. It's called Fuck Her Gently by Tenacious D. Nope. <laughs> you want one more? <laughs> I want one more. How about how about this? Think of a shoe brand. Oh. <laughs> Did that give it away? So it'll be corns A D I D A S. All day I dream about sex. Humping. As the radio edit. <laughs> yes. Humping. All day. All day. All day. All day. All day. I dream about sex. Yeah, but the entry was just the two emojis. So you tell me how you want to play that. Hmm. Uh, you get no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. There you go. <clears throat> Penultimate entry. Mm -hmm. Hath thou ever observed precipitation descending whilst thine solar celestial body bathes thyself in heat and light? Jesus, what the fuck? Who will stop in rain? Yes. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Well, it's have you ever seen the rain, but you got the CCR reference, correct? Oh, okay. Well, that's a different, that's two different CCR songs. Um, yeah, but when <laughs> but you were on the right track already. So I want to know, have you ever seen the rain? Okay. Coming down. It's a great song. So good. So neat. 
They're both really good songs. Five year plans and new deals. Wrapped in golden strings. And I wonder. Still, I wonder. Points. And your final entry. The rain. We keep perpetually moving. Keep perpetually moving. Yep. Any guesses? Um, keep perpetually moving. I have one song in my head, and I'm trying to remember the name of the name of the actual song. It's not moving right along from the Muppet movie, which would have been an awesome response, by the way. A bear in his natural habitat. Exactly. Studebaker. Studebaker. <laughs> oh, I love those movies. That uh, needs no. to be a Chris ranks the universe. All the Muppet movies. I will. I will. There's still one I haven't seen. That was the most recent one. The Muppets in space. I'll probably be last on the list. I'm a bad guy now, dude. Uh, it's terrible. All right, do you do you have a guess for perpetually moving? It's freaking. Let's get retarded. No. Because <laughs> it we're gonna run in, run in, and run in. <laughs> no, I'm thinking of uh, <laughs> no, but you might have been on something with the singer of the song. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Is that what it is? That's what it is, yeah. It's rolling. We sang that song yesterday, too. <laughs> now I know you'll be loving this shit right here. Right here. So, yeah, yeah, you get points for that. All right, there you go. So, who would be your winner, then? You only earmarked right. one song. So you're the winner. Alright, sugary, narcoleptic, hallucinatory episodes are caused by the following. Matt Hardman is your winner. So, I'd like to point something out. Don's entry was last, but then I came up with the CCR entry and posted it. He deleted his entry and reposted it after mine. <laughs> Just so he could have it. Just so he could be last. Jesus. And I friggin' laughed when I saw that. I want to read you the four bonuses real quick. I'm totally a Viking. Aha! Good old. So I learned that Togi Makabe's music is a cover. Oh, yeah? Yes. No. Oh, Immigrant Song. I actually thought that, uh, I actually was trying to come up with something for Immigrant Song, but I couldn't think of something that worked. My original one was, uh, was. Well, we're going to woohoo a lot, but we can't think of a name for the song. Well, it's the second track. Let's just go with that. Ah, it's first song, too. That was my original. Uh, when I picture you in my head, I masturbate. Yeah, okay. But that's a little too obvious. Uh, sexual intercourse was my sole motivation for my actions, which was Nookie. I got a kick out of that one. That was Adrian Cotton's original entry. But then he went for where the hood at, and he got 50 points, so maybe he should have went with that. He might have gotten full points. And then uh, Joe Mad Dog Needle, who I believe missed the cutoff. Yes, he did not get his entry in on time. 
Uh, I want to fornicate with thy like a barnyard resident. Mm-hmm. Closer. Yes. Those are your bonuses. Uh, the emoji guy was Mickey O'Reilly, and Joshua Vargason was the meme guy. And then everybody else got full points except for Russell with the Tenacious D. And Adrian with the other one. Everybody else got full points, so good job, guys. Good job, hamstring. All right. So next week, we will cover a topic that you guys would like us to talk about. And I will go into my Smash Brothers universe with a little more detail. Check out the VIP show. And we'll see you guys next time. Later.